It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Thank you for listening to Depictions Media Radio. Hello and good day to wherever you are joining us from today. It is Friday, 9 April 2021. My name is Christian Lindmeier and I'm welcoming you to today's global COVID-19 press conference. Our special guest today is uh, Dr. Seth Berkeley, Chief Executive Officer from Gavi. Simultaneous interpretation is provided again in the six official UN languages, Arabic, Chinese, French, English, Spanish, and Russian, and as well as in Portuguese and Hindi. Let me introduce the participants. Present in the room are Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, WHO Director General. Dr. Mike Ryan, Executive Director for WHO's Health Emergencies Program. Dr. Maria Van Kerkhove, Technical Lead on COVID-19. Dr. Bruce Aylward, Special Advisor to the Director General and the Lead on ACT Accelerator. And last but not least, Dr. Rogerio Gaspar, Director for Regulation and Prequalification. With this, let me hand over to the Director General for the opening remarks. Thank you, thank you, Christian. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. As you know, at the beginning of the year, we issued a call for vaccination to begin in all countries within the first 100 days of the year. Tomorrow is day 100. Out of 220 countries and economies, 194 have now started vaccination, and 26 have not. Of those, seven have received vaccines and could start, and a further five countries should receive their vaccines in the coming days. That leaves 14 countries who have not yet begun vaccination for a range of reasons. Some have not requested vaccines through COVAX, some are not yet ready, and some plan to start in the coming weeks and months. COVAX has now delivered more than 38 million doses of vaccine to more than 100 countries and economies in the past six weeks. We are encouraged that almost all countries who want to start have now started. However, I emphasize the word start. Most countries do not have anywhere near enough vaccines to cover all health workers or all at-risk groups, never mind the rest of their populations. There remains a shocking imbalance in the global distribution of vaccines. More than 700 million vaccine doses have been administered globally, but over 87% have gone to high-income or upper-middle-income countries, while low-income countries have received just 0.2%. On average, in high-income countries, Almost one in four people has received a vaccine. 
in low-income countries, it's one in more than 500. Let me repeat that. One in four versus one in 500. COVAX had been expecting to distribute almost 100 million doses by the end of March. But due to a marked reduction in supply, we have only been able to distribute 38 million doses. We hope to be able to catch up during April and May. COVAX works. It's a strong mechanism that can distribute vaccines faster and more efficiently than any other mechanism. The problem is not getting vaccines out of COVAX. The problem is getting them in. We understand that some countries and companies plan to do their own bilateral vaccine donations by passing COVAX for their own political or commercial reasons. These bilateral arrangements run the risk of fanning the flames of vaccine inequity. This is a time for partnership, not patronage. Scarcity of supply is driving vaccine nationalism and vaccine diplomacy. So, Gavi, WHO, CEPI, and other COVAX partners are working on several options for accelerating production and supply. We are in ongoing discussions with the government of India about the supply of vaccines from the Serum Institute of India. We're working to accelerate the release and rollout of vaccines from SK Bio in the Republic of Korea. We're trying to expedite the delivery of the J&J &J vaccine. We're continuing to seek donations of doses from countries who have enough to cover their entire population several times over, not in several months' time, but now. We're expediting the review of more vaccines, including from Sinopharm, Sinovac, and Gamalea. And we are in discussions with several countries as we seek to expand global manufacturing capacity. It is stunning to think that less than a year after the ACT Accelerator was launched, vaccines have been approved and vaccination has started in almost all countries. None of this would have been possible without our partners in COVAX, including Gavi. Today, I'm delighted to welcome my friend, Dr. Seth Berkeley, the Chief Executive Officer of Gavi. Seth, thank you so much to you and your team for everything you have done and everything you continue to do. Thank you so much for your leadership. Seth, the floor is yours. Thank you, Dr. Tedros, for your kind invitation to join you in this important moment. And I like to think of it, if we think as 2020 as the year of the pandemic, we aspire to make 2021 the year that vaccines gave us hope. Of course, as the ACT Accelerator uh, always says, we need to make sure we have a comprehensive response, and we fully agree with that. We need, obviously, diagnostics, treatments, as well as um, uh, other non-pharmacologic interventions. But, um, of course, what we hope is that vaccines will change the dynamic of this illness. 
So we're on our path towards fulfilling the vision of rapid access to participants. Um, you've mentioned uh, more than 100 economies. Actually, I think um, uh, today we're at 105 uh, uh, economies. In the six weeks we began uh, the um, ex-India COVAX deliveries um, in the first 100 days of the year. And these are being used, as you said, to protect healthcare workers, the elderly, and other um, risk groups. So this is an important milestone, um, but of course we still have enormous amount of work ahead of us as we seek to deliver at least 2 billion doses this year, which includes securing access and funding for 1.8 billion doses on behalf of the 92 um, uh, lower income economies eligible to be supported by the Gavi-COVAX advanced market commitment. Our emphasis now is on, as you say, finishing the countries that do not have access now, but most importantly, scaling up the volumes to meet those at highest risk. To do this, we need continued support from governments and manufacturers because every time a bilateral deal gets done around uh, the COVAX facility, it means less doses for COVAX and for equitable distribution. In the second half of the year, we will see more suppliers come online um, and will be able to benefit from expanded production capacity at manufacturers that are already are supplying to us. But again, it's critical that we have solidarity and work because what we're now beginning to see are supply constraints, not just of vaccines, but also of the goods that go into making vaccines, the filters, the, the bags that are necessary, the media. So one of the challenges is how we make sure we optimize supply for all of the manufacturers so that we can continue this unprecedented scale up of vaccines. We're also talking to a number of high-income countries about sharing their surplus doses. We believe that this will be an important source of vaccines for COVAX in 2021. Lastly, we expect that lower-income countries will be able to buy additional vaccine doses through cost-sharing mechanisms we are developing where they can purchase vaccines through COVAX uh, funded by multilateral development banks, therefore lifting the levels of protection further. Of course, we don't yet know exactly what 2022 is going to bring. Will we need new vaccines? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw report were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Vaccines, um which are going to replace the existing vaccine Will we need booster doses just because of, of immunity waning, or will we need vaccines that are specifically uh, uh, targeted at some of the variants? These are scientific questions that continue to need to be getting attention.
The country demand for COVID-19 vaccines has increased significantly in light of the new variants and achieving greater population cover to slow down the appearance of variant means the need for additional financing has become even more urgent. In order to achieve this goal and building on the contributions made by donors so far, Gavi will be seeking at least $2 billion in additional funding for the AMC in 2021 at the virtual investment opportunity event um, uh, next week hosted uh, by the United States. So in summary, we look forward to continuing this very important work with our partners in this unprecedented shared global endeavor. WHO, CEPI, UNICEF, PAHO, manufacturers, government, civil society, and the many others that form the effort to make sure that no one is left behind and that we can end the acute stage of this pandemic as one world protected. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Seth, for your leadership and partnership. I look forward to continuing to work with you to achieve our vision of vaccines for all. And even as we work to expand access to vaccines, we're continuing to keep a close eye on vaccine safety. Earlier this week, the European Medicines Agency and the Medicines and Other Health Products Agency from the United Kingdom said that unusual blood clots with low blood platelets should be listed as very rare side effects of the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine. The COVID-19 subcommittee of the WHO Global Advisory Committee on Vaccine Safety has reviewed available information from Europe and other regions and has said that a causal relationship between the vaccine and the occurrence of blood clots with low platelets is plausible, but more investigation is required. WHO, EMA, and MHRA continue to recommend that the benefits of the vaccine outweigh the risk of these very rare side effects. All vaccines and medicines carry a risk of side effects. In this case, the risks of severe disease and death from COVID-19 are many times higher than the very small risks related to the vaccine. And we continue to appeal to all people to please be careful. Vaccines are giving us light at the end of the tunnel, but we are not there yet. And vaccines are only one of the many tools we have to prevent infections and save lives. The right approach is a comprehensive approach. We must all continue to protect ourselves and those around us by making the right choices. We all have responsibilities as individuals and leaders in ending this pandemic. Christian, back to you. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Tedros, and thank you much, Dr. Berkeley. With this, I'll open the floor and uh, remind everybody, in order to get into the queue, please push the raise your hand icon on the screen. And now we'll move to Stephanie Nebehai from Reuters. Stephanie, the floor is yours. Yes, thanks. Thanks very much, Christian. I wondered whether um, either Seth or um, someone else from the WHO perhaps could comment on um, the supply situation a bit more about AstraZeneca, um, whether given that some countries 
like Australia and and um, and, and and Hong Kong have uh, stepped back from um, AstraZeneca. Are there talks going on with, um, for instance, the Serum Institute or with AstraZeneca directly about getting um, more supplies for the COVAX program, please? Thank you very much, Stephanie. And yes, I'll ask Dr. Berkeley to come in, please. So thank you, Stephanie. Um, the, um, the challenge we had, of course, is that um, when we first began negotiations with um, AstraZeneca, we um, ended up receiving doses from uh, two different uh, groups. One, the parent company, which had multiple supply chains associated with it, and second, um, the Serum Institute of India. Um, what's happened, of course, is a confluence of, of events. One has been the rapid scale-up of vaccines. So the, the parent corporate corporation has had a novel supply chain that has been a little slow to get off the ground. We ended up with some delays moving forward, getting regulatory approvals, getting quality assurance, quality control work done in a rapid period of time. But that has really picked up. And we've seen over the last couple of weeks um, increasing movement of doses, and we expect those to really be um, back to the pace we had originally planned um, uh, very shortly. Um, on the Serum Institute of India, as you know, India is uh, suffering a, a very severe um, a wave of disease right now, and as a result, it has made an effort to increase its vaccinations, and as a result, the, the doses that had been a commercially acquired from um, India um, have not been made available. Those have been kept domestically, and that has meant that we've had a slowdown. We've notified all of the countries involved, and we hope that that supply is going to improve over time. We do understand that countries have different choices for vaccines, and as countries uh, decide that they are going to prioritize one vaccine or another, that may free up doses. And of course, in doing that, we will try to make sure that those doses are made available um, uh, without delay um, if uh, countries are willing to make that happen. Um, we are in discussions with many countries to look at this as a, a potential possibility moving forward. Over. Thank you so much, Dr. Berkeley. Let me now come to Tony Waterman from CGTN. Tony, please unmute yourself. Thank you very much for taking my question. I was just wondering if we could have an update on the evaluation of the Sinopharm and Sinovax vaccines. Uh, is a decision for the emergency use listing still expected at the end of April? Could it come sooner? And if both of those vaccines do receive the green light, will they be added to the COVAX facility? I believe both of them put in applications in January. And are there any talks for a supply deal underway at the moment? Thank you. Thank you much, Tony, and I'll hand to Dr. Rogério Gaspar, Director of Regulation for Communication. No problem. This one. Okay, I'll take this one. So a very simple answer concerning Sinopharm and Sinovac. They are on the final stages of evaluation. A number of questions have already been answered, and we have convened the technical advisory group for uh, vaccine assessment for the 26th of April. 
and we expect that at least one of the two could make uh, the, the time for that committee to be discussed there. Uh, if one of those cannot make it for the 26th of April, we are planning also to have another technical advisory group on the week of May 3rd. So between the two weeks, we expect that the final decision will be reached on the two vaccines. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Gaspar. We now hand to Jamil Shad from Estado de Sao Paulo. Jamil. Oops, sorry, uh, Dr. Elwood. Yeah, I think uh, Seth uh, might want to come in on the second uh, part of that question about uh, the utility of these products for the uh, for the COVAX facility. I think, as we've said in previous uh, communications, let's take advantage of Seth uh, being with us, but previous communications through the COVAX facility, we are trying to uh, ensure. Uh, all vaccines are assessed irrespective of where they are made, where they're produced. We want to have as broad a portfolio of, as possible and indeed have been in discussion with a broad range of uh, manufacturers, including from China and elsewhere, um, in, in the course of uh, setting up the facility. But perhaps Seth uh, would like to speak to this issue as well. Yeah, just to add what to what Bruce said, of, uh, of course, he's absolutely right. We are looking at any product. Of course, what we require first is that they are pro proven to be safe and efficacious and that they do that through a, a, a stringent time. regulatory we authority. Just check it first or through WHO um, a pre-qualification or emergency use listing. But the second issue that we will be looking at, of course, is that the portfolio is well-balanced and that there is cost-effectiveness of the, of the product. So there are a number of other steps that will be involved, um, but um, we are um, in discussions with all of the uh, manufacturers that have vaccines out now, and we'll continue to do that until um, we determine that um, it makes sense to go. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ahead and, and purchase for the facility or not. Thank you very much all for your answers. That was Dr. Seth Berkeley. And before it was Dr. Bruce Aylward. And apologies for trying to cut the answers short. Now let's move to uh, Jamil Shad from Estado Sao Paulo. Uh, Jamil, please unmute yourself. Yes, Christian, can you hear me? Very well. Yes, uh, Dr. Tedros, good afternoon. Um, my question is about Brazil. Some, at least one region in the country has more deaths than births at the moment, uh, more than 4,000 deaths uh, per day. My question to you is, uh, if the federal government is not responding uh, adequately, are you ready to go and talk uh, straight to governors and mayors as well in order to get basically uh, uh, actions uh, follow basically science and whatever recommendation you have. Are you ready to bypass in a way the federal government and talk straight to governors and mayors? Thank you very much. Dr. Tedros, please. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we're, calling, we're speaking to the federal uh, government and the latest was last uh, Saturday actually with the uh, newly appointed Minister of Health. 
and also we have discussed with other uh, officials at the federal level. So that's, uh, I hope, going to help with moving, moving forward uh, in our partnership. Thank you. Dr. Ryan Chan. Yeah, and <clears throat> just to add, as part of our normal technical cooperation uh, with Brazil, our country office and, uh, and our colleagues at PAHO very often work directly on technical uh, and operational support at the state level. And in fact, we have a number of technical teams working at sub-national level. But obviously, our political engagement uh, remains with the, the, f the federal government, which is uh, appropriate for us as an organization. <coughs> Thank you so much for these answers. And now we move to Robin Miyak from AFP. Robin, please unmute yourself. Yes, thank you. Um, France announced today that people under the age of 55 who've received a first dose of uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine can switch to another vaccine for their second dose. Uh, on the mixing and matching between vaccines, in, in February when SAGE issued its recommendations on AstraZeneca, there was no data at that point on which it could recommend either way on uh, mixing and matching. Um, are there any early indications from any data so far uh, since then? And could mixing vaccines eventually prove beneficial, uh, especially between different types of vaccine? Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Romain, for this. Um, let me ask Dr. Gaspar. Let me be very clear about that. There's no available data to recommend that at this moment in time. So that's the only answer I can give right now. Thank you for a crisp clarification. And uh, now we move to John Zarocostas from Lancet. John, please unmute yourself. Yes, uh, good afternoon. My, my question is to uh, Dr. Berkeley. I was wondering, sir, you just mentioned early. John, you seem to have pressed your mute button or we lost your try again, please. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, please go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, all right, good. Yes, my question is to uh, Dr. Berkeley. You mentioned that you have expectations to have an increase in production in the second half of this year. Can you give us a bird's eye view how much anticipated increase you are looking at, even in your close talks with uh, producers. Thank you. Thank you very much, Thanks, John. Dr. Berkeley, be sorry. Yes. So, so thank you for the question. Um, we try to be as transparent as possible, um, even despite the changes that are occurring in the challenging supply situation. So on our website are published forecasts for uh, what we expect to be happening, and those get adjusted regularly when there's a material change. Um, the original um, plan was for um, about a quarter of the doses to be done in the first half of the year and three quarters in the second second half of the year with scale up. I suspect that those ratios will um, shift perhaps a little bit more. Um, it might be to, to um, go to 20% and 80%. But our goal is still to try to get to 2.3 billion doses by um, the end of, of uh, 2021, assuming that there are not any major supply disruptions with any of the manufacturers. But um, please check on the, on the website for, for Further information. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Berkeley. And we'll move to Catherine Fiancon from France 24. Catherine, please unmute yourself. 
Yes, thank you, Christian. Um, good afternoon to all of you. I mean, in fact, in fact, my question is a kind of follow-up of John's question. Um, you you spoke about um, the broad portfolio of vaccines that you have, but I would like to know if you have plans to increase the manufacturing capacity, and that means that having more manufacturers. Is there any existing plan for that in order to uh, give access to everyone to vaccines? Thank you. Dr. Berkeley. Yep. So um, thanks for that question. The answer is um, we are planning to increase the number of products. We're at seven products now. We hope to get uh, somewhere between 10 and 15 products, but we also um, hope to expand production both in numbers of sites as well as in the volumes those sites can produce. There is a, um, a, a COVAX uh, a manufacturing task force that is looking at technology transfer, is looking at how to expand production but as I mentioned in my opening remarks right now one of the worries is limitations in supplies um, the world usually has about 3.5 billion doses of vaccine a year when you add flu in that jumps to about 5 billion and the hope this year is to add another 10 billion perhaps even as high as 12 14 billion doses which would be a quadrupling of capacity so of course we are looking at every potential possible place that can do manufacturing and 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 scale up in a reasonable time frame of course building a new plants um, is not something that can be done in that time frame uh, we do hope that as um, um, some of the countries now that are expanding um, uh, their use of vaccines are able to saturate those uh, uh, use that they will start making vaccines available and those supply chains and vaccine facilities will become available for the global community as well. Thank you very much, Dr. Berkeley. Let me move to uh, Gabriela Sotomayor from Progresso. Gabriela, unmute yourself, please. Thank you, Christian. Thank you very much for taking my question. Um, it's a follow-up on Brazil's situation. So I understand uh, this uh, is a concept of uh, equity in vaccination, but Brazil is, is going through a, this so big emergency. I mean, it's, it's terrible what is happening there. So is WHO thinking about scaling up uh, vaccination, I mean, vaccination for, for Brazilians or send more vaccines there or something to, to help this country. Thank you. Dr. Bruce Elbert, please. Thank you very much, uh, Gabrielle. Indeed, the situation is, is, uh, is, is very, very concerning what's happening in Brazil. And as you heard from the top of this organization, the Director General himself directly involved uh, with trying to look at what advice we can provide, what support we can provide also through our regional office. Um, in terms of vaccines, the bottom line is, as you've heard from uh, the Director General in his comments and also uh, Dr. Berkeley in his comments, there's simply is not the vaccine right now certainly available through COVAX to be able to try and help further reduce the risk to the people who are trying to deliver services during the outbreak there and also trying to um, 
trying to, uh, the, you know, the older populations at greatest risk of severe disease. Um, the other thing to bear in mind, and, and I think Mike emphasized this in comments the other day and, and perhaps earlier today, is that the crucial thing to be doing right now are those proven steps that we know will slow down this, uh, this, this virus um, in so many settings. That rapid identification of the uh, cases, that immediate isolation, the quarantining of the people at risk. I know we've been saying it for a long time, but that is what most rapidly slows down the spread of this virus. Remember, even by the time you get vaccines into a country, by the time you get them into people and you're getting into a relatively small proportion of the population, that will have a small effect in limiting uh, the risk to some people. But what you're dealing with here is a raging inferno of an outbreak, and that requires population-level action in the rapid identification, isolation, quarantining, because you have to approach this at that scale to slow this thing down. So while uh, indeed um, the vaccines that are available and are being used there to protect the, the essential workers are so crucial and the older population, um, certainly through the COVAX facilities, we've said the, the, it's a moot point right now in terms of being able to get additional supply there. But um, the crucial thing are those measures uh, can be applied at a massive scale that can slow this thing down. Thank you very much. Dr. Elwood, uh, Dr. Bankarkov, please. Yeah, just quickly to come in on this, because I do want to emphasize the comprehensive nature of the approach that, that we've been articulating since the beginning of this pandemic. We need to stop thinking of this as one measure or another, or one measure over another. Um, it's all of these measures together at an individual level, at community levels, supported by leaders, supported by governments. Um, it isn't one measure alone that is going to end this pandemic. Vaccines and vaccination are another incredibly powerful tool, but they will not end this pandemic. What will end this pandemic is a comprehensive approach of everyone playing their part and being supported in being able to play their part. The trajectory of this pandemic around the world is going in the wrong direction. We have had six weeks in a row where there are increases in cases. Deaths are increasing as well. And we have tools right now that can prevent infections and can save lives. So we need to find reasons why measures aren't in place, whether these are policies or whether these are barriers to individuals carrying them out, and find solutions to actually get these in place. Um, it is about doing it all. WHO has issued guidance. We're working with partners and member states on all modes of transmission around all different aspects of ways that you can keep yourself safe and your family safe. It's about your individual level measures of the distancing and the masks, avoiding crowded spaces, working from home if you can, also making sure that there's good supported clinical care and that health workers are protected with the right personal protective equipment as well as being protected with the vaccines, with safe and effective vaccines that are rolling out around the world. And while we are waiting for production to increase and taking steps to increase that production, countries are ready to implement. We need the vaccines in hand so that they can implement vaccination for those who are most at risk. But in the meantime, we have to keep staying the course and do everything that we can. We just really need to stop saying it's vaccine only. It's vaccine and. And there's a lot of things that all of us can do right now. Dr. Tedros, please. Yeah, I fully agree with what uh, uh, has been said, Bruce and um, Maria. The only thing I'd like to add is in our discussions uh, with officials, including the minister, 
one area of discussion was how we can boost uh, Brazil's local production for, for vaccines. Um, and we're partnering on that, and I think uh, local production would also help in boosting the uh, volume of production of COVID uh, vaccines. And Brazil has some capacity, and it will be a matter of uh, boosting that, and uh, we will continue to uh, support them. Thank you very much, Dr. Tedros. No, uh, we seem to be coming to the last question, and that one will go to Aswin Bajwinger from Observer Times India. Aswin, please unmute yourself. Uh, thank you for considering my question. My question is, is it necessary to have a chart on number of citizens vaccination of individual country along with its contribution to WHO's COVAX vaccination. In India, the state of Maharashtra have Hafkin Institute for Training, Research and Testing, which has performed a pivotal role in polio vaccination in India. Why government of India had kept such institution out of production in order to fulfill COVID-19 vaccination demands for domestic and international vaccination supply. Can WHO intervene and suggest Government of India to get production of COVID-19 vaccine through Hafkin Institute? Thank you. Thank you very much, Aswin, and let me hand to Dr. Elwood. Yeah, thank you, Christian. I'm, I'm afraid I didn't quite follow the first part of the question, but I think it was about understanding what vaccines are being used where, and uh, certainly that information is available on the COVAX website, on the WHO website, and also on uh, the UNICEF website. We try to ensure as much transparency as possible, certainly in terms of the vaccines that are being used through the COVAX facility, and how many doses from SII, how many doses of AstraZeneca vaccines, et cetera, and, uh, and then even which countries these are being allocated to a core principle of the uh, COVAX facility has been that all participants and indeed anyone in the world can have visibility on what's happening where. So there's a lot of work uh, in that regard. And with respect to optimizing the use of uh, available production capacity, be expanding vaccines uh, production globally, um, every single country right now is looking at their options in that regard and in discussions. And um, I think there's no country that's got as much experience in this regard as, uh, as India does. And uh, of course, there's a wide range of uh, producers, a number of whom are already engaged in, uh, if not uh, uh, production of COVID vaccines that are licensed already. They're already looking at uh, the development uh, of, of such products. And uh, I do know as well, in fact, we've been working closely with the ministries and the government that are responsible for um, supporting uh, the production of, uh, of medical products, and they have been working uh, very hard with um, the institutions throughout India and potential producers who may be able to uh, scale up production. 
Um, so uh, so I, I think around the world we're seeing a common uh, commitment interest of governments to promote uh, as much production as possible through as many sites uh, as, as, as possible. From the WHO side, as Seth uh, alluded to earlier, we're establishing now within COVAX a COVAX task force that will be focused uh, to really bring even more, let's say, attention to this issue of expanding uh, production. And uh, WHO and CEPI, along with uh, Gavi, will be leading up this effort to try and ensure that if there is underutilized capacity anywhere that does need support from any one of these agencies, um, we will do anything possible to help uh, further expand production capacity globally. Thank you very much, Dr. Aylward. With this, we come to the end of our briefing today, and I will ask Dr. Seth Berkeley for any closing remarks. Thank you very much. Um, thank you. I, I just wanted to come in on that last question because I think in that question, again, I had a hard time hearing it as well. I think he mentioned the issue of polio vaccines. And I want to emphasize one of the important priorities during all of this is to continue the use of routine vaccines and to make sure that we continue to produce the vaccines that we need to avoid other infectious diseases because the worst case scenario would be um, uh, uh, epidemics of other diseases that would further um, uh, strain the health systems and uh, make it really impossible to get control over COVID. So um, I think it's very important that we get that balance right. And, and at the current time, we are seeing manufacturers continue to produce the vaccines we need for um, the routine vaccines and even those that are necessary for other epidemic infectious diseases that we are seeing, of course, simultaneously, whether they be Ebola yellow fever, um, cholera, um, those uh, productions need to go on and continue to make sure there is provision of these vaccines to try to keep the world as free of infectious diseases as we can during this very difficult time. Again, thank you. It's um, a, a real pleasure to be with my colleagues at WHO um, in, in working together on this problem, and, and we look forward to our continued partnership. Thank you very much, Dr. Berkeley, and thank you, of course, for joining us today. Before I hand to Dr. Tedros for the final remarks, um, as usual, the audio files will be posted right after the press conference today, and the full transcript will be available tomorrow morning on our website. For any other follow-ups, please contact media inquiries at who.int. Dr. Tedros, the floor is yours. So thank you, thank you so much, uh, Seth, for uh, joining us today and again for your uh, leadership. And I would also like to thank the media colleagues from the media for joining us today. So bon weekend. See you next week. Bye-bye. This show has been produced by Depictions Media. Please contact us at depictions.media for more information. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.